everyone welcome to another episode of the earth rights podcast i'm mel and of course i'm usually with pip but today it's just me i'm here with juliet and we're going to be discussing our experiences in living amongst and fighting against the challenges of vehicle dwelling and the council let's get stuck in We're going to be discussing the eviction proceedings that are taking place where I live and where Juliet lives too. Hey! hey. (laughs) So we live in a place called Greenbank View in Bristol and we both park there in our vehicles and currently we're facing eviction by the council and we wanted to discuss this in this episode in the wider context of segregation and discrimination against um, gypsy roma traveller and and communities with no fixed abode. Hopefully this conversation today will show where our energy has been placed over the last couple of weeks and and why that is. Just for the record, Juliet and I are going to be representing our own views as vehicle dwellers and it must be stated that we're not ethnic Romani, gypsy or Irish travellers so we can obviously endeavour to put forward general concerns of all of the communities um, of people with no fixed abode, but we can't pretend to represent them entirely. Yeah, definitely. Um, but first of all, let's let's get to know Juliet. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your work in activism and your life as a vehicle dweller? Yeah, great. Yeah, this is exciting. I've never been on a podcast before. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so life in a van and activism, I guess they come kind of together because the van life has allowed me a lot more freedom to get involved with different projects and campaigns. Um, yeah, I, I actually first moved into a van in like the July of 2019. So it's just like around the spike, like first spike of COVID and... It was, I mean, in a way it was amazing because I just had so much freedom to kind of go and do like the environmental activism that I was involved with at the time at the Stop HS2 campaign um, and just like take my van up and down the line on all these different camps. Um, So it's really like given me that freedom to get involved with stuff. Um, But yeah, no, my, my life kind of has been more based in activism of recent years. So I was doing a bit of campaigning against yeah the HS2 train line um and then moved back to Bristol and got engaged with um occupying buildings and um trying to repurpose them as like community spaces because there's so many empty buildings in Bristol (laughs) that could be used um especially when there's a lockdown and there's people that don't have anywhere to live and it's you know like a health pandemic like why aren't we opening these buildings to use them so I was yeah putting a lot of energy into setting setting something up and making something useful out of these crumbling buildings um so I did that for a bit um I guess now my work is quite linked to activism because 
I've been working with young people that are facing exclusion at school. And that feels so important for me, kind of having like an abolitionist mindset as well. Um, because the amount of kids that are getting excluded and the kind of correlation between that and the kids that end up in like young offenders and then eventually prison. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, they're, they're extremely vulnerable children often. Um, the kids that kind of do end up in these young offending institutions are seven times more likely to have additional needs. So they're often some of the most vulnerable children. And there's, yeah, there's crazy kind of statistics. Like I think it was 25,000 children under the age of seven were excluded in the year, in the academic year of 2016 to 2017. Wow. So there's just an issue going on where we're not meeting the needs in our education system of these children. So yeah, I've, I've been thinking a lot more about trying to align my work life with my like ide ideals, I suppose, and having like an abolitionist mindset is that there should be an end to this current prison system of locking people away um, and expecting them to come out as like a changed, improved human yeah. through, you know, years and years of these sentences where they don't receive the sufficient um, rehabilitation and, you know, don't have much time to heal the trauma. And seeing, you know, it's, it's such a systemic issue why these people end up in prison in the first place. Um, so we kind of need to look at the root causes, I suppose, and trying to kind of act beforehand and like prevent. There's some really inspiring groups. Um, there's a group called No More Exclusions, which focus on an end to all exclusion and like particularly look at the issues of race in the children that are getting discriminated against. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the traveller Roma community as well. Um, so yeah, that that is kind of where a lot of my energy is at the moment, kind of thinking about all these correlations and ways of preventing children from entering this like life of crime and being racially profiled. And mm -hmm. a lot of the children I talk to are so traumatised already by policing. Mm -hmm. They've had so many experiences of of being racially profiled, of being stopped and searched, um, for just being kids, for just like loitering, hanging out. There's nowhere for them to go. Mm. Like, where do we expect children to go? There are, why can't they be in the park at night? You know, yeah. I mean, it's just like, we don't have any youth clubs. They've all closed down and like... The last time I went to a youth club, I was about 10. Yeah. It was the best. I loved it. <laughs> absolutely loved it had like some big crushes there big <laughs> big romance big romances, yeah. they're so underfunded like the little bit of work I have done in youth clubs is like so understaffed and it's chaotic all these kids have been kind of in schools all day and then they come to the youth clubs and they just want to run crazy riot, yeah. run riot break things like it's a lot of energy yeah basically Juliet's awesome yeah <laughs> I don't feel know. like I've really talked about why I live in a van, but basically it's just an amazing life and it gives us so much community and freedom for you to kind of carve out what you want to do with your time instead of just working to pay rent. I feel like a lot of us in this vehicle community at Green Bank are quite creative and want to spend our time doing the things we love and that fill us with joy. And yeah, just, just actually being able to fight and be against 
kind of the system and like yeah have time to do that because it's pretty time consuming as we know <laughs> it's super time consuming and I think that that's a really important point for me as well is that by living in a vehicle or living not in the mainstream way you're embodying what you believe in is in your like actively present against the system just by not living in the way that it expects you to mm. and like that's gonna be a curse in certain ways that our society is constructed like it is a bit of a double life when you are located with your vehicle in a city that is like populated with houses mm. um and that those like two systems currently still clash mm. um yeah makes but, it hard but that's why like we're having this conversation today because like we're trying to make it not such a clash but maybe like a, a little fizzy bottle yeah i just yeah it feels like we're just not valued i suppose which is something that we'll probably get into later but Mm -hmm. and it's like we've had so many people tell us that we are part of the community and we actually are the community rather than separate to it i think a lot of people in britain perhaps associate bristol with like in a kind of similar way to how Berlin is associated in Germany like it's quite progressive quite alternative and yeah it is but it's still a functioning city as in it still functions to serve the government it still has a council it still has um, um, all of the institutions that systemically exist in discriminatory ways and that Mm. no matter how like badass and cool the society is within that it still does like have to face these difficult proceedings and difficult social tensions um but yeah maybe you want to explain a little bit about that because you've lived here you've lived here much longer than I have Mm, yeah I think I, I first moved to Bristol like four years ago and for three of those years now I've been living in a van so my like knowledge of Bristol van life is also quite recent um but I can talk about some of the flavors and the things like yeah that I've witnessed um the first night I parked up in my van in St Andrews Park I got a notice on my on my windscreen the next morning in capital letters in in crayon with someone saying move this lump of shit out of here (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I mean, it was a bit like, wow, I've literally, it was, I've only parked here one night. It's not like I've been here days on end. So you do get this, you know, confrontation between like an area like St Andrews, which is, yeah, for those who don't know, like quite a liberal middle class area. But there's there's people that really are still so discriminatory against people that are in a van. Mm. Um, they don't, you know, wait to have a conversation and find out you know more it's just like they look at a van and they they know I don't know it's just it's, it's mad. very strange isn't it like um when when I wrote about the policing bill mm. last year and did some research like it is just an accepted form of discrimination and just like bad sentiment against anyone who I think people see as like bypassing the system or mm. not paying council tax or mm. There's never a, like a 10 second pause where people think, okay, they're not paying for a house, 
but what they are doing is community working, work yeah, working or, with children or, yeah. or helping refugees or whatever it is. Exactly. Why do we want like a society where everyone's exactly the same? It's so much more beautiful and interesting and culturally varied to have people living in alternative ways. Mm. And it, yeah, it allows these freedoms, um, which it, we, we couldn't really function without people doing this work. Like mm-hmm. there are so many people that are volunteering and using their art in kind of progressive ways and just doing a lot. And it, it, it is a frustrating thing when you kind of, I remember one day I was parked um, in a different area in Bristol and I had like one day off that week. I'd been working in a forest school at the time and I had one day off and I was sitting there having a coffee and someone just comes up to me and is like, what do you actually do all day? And I was just like, decided to engage in a conversation with him and t- instead of telling him to like, yeah, like Back piss off. off. Yeah. <laughs> and actually like, I think it, w- it was useful to engage with him because I made him realise we are working. Not that work is like a hierarchy. I think we need to be like value people who are doing all sorts of different things. And there's also like a lot of invisible health reasons that, yeah, why people aren't working. And we kind of need to re-understand work in itself and not judge. Yeah. But the fact was I, I actually felt like I was wiped out from working with like under fives. And he just like made an assumption that I'd been sitting around all day. But good to, yeah, good to have the conversations and engage and try and like, rid people of these judgments and just make them a bit more open-minded um but i think that's part of the context of of like our the eviction proceedings we're facing um there is still this undercurrent of anti-alternative abode yeah for sure (laughs) and um because of that there's always this like need for the council to balance both the the desires of like local residents who maybe have that like prejudgment and the the people in the vehicles and so like you have these very cyclical proceedings what we're referring to is like whenever you're living in a community of vehicles in bristol the council start getting edgy about it Mm -hmm. so it's more likely you can kind of get away with this lifestyle if you're constantly moving around and having no stability in a location um but we have been here like since sort of September, August last year. Um, and now because there's sometimes like over 20 of us, the council get really like, yeah, they get full on in their procedure, which is, yeah, the only thing they know how to do is basically enforcement instead of having conversation. But hopefully like in continuing to fight, that chain will break and mm. there'll actually be a, a clear breakthrough clear breakthrough yeah it needs to happen and it will only happen by putting continual pressure on the council so yeah that's kind of where we're at with this like we decided to try and form community here and reside here and it's difficult to do that and now we're facing this kind of this stop against it obviously you mentioned occupying buildings Mm. over the lockdown period and I know you've been you've been faced with evictions there um what what are your like experiences of Bristol and eviction Mm. I was living in this area called St Werberg's um in my van and it was something quite unusual happened where the council tried to get like an entire area injunction so they wanted to ban live-in vans from being anywhere in a whole region of the city. 
which was madness and unheard of. Um, mm. I've heard of it before on certain roads, you know, where they like yeah. managed to get that pass on a road, but a whole area. Um, and it was something like if you were parked for two or more hours with a like van that was a live-in van, yeah, you know, it would be like a crime. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it, I don't fully know because of all the legal jargon, like really entirely what happened yeah. with St. Werberg's, but it was like a person's unknown case, which I'm sure yeah. you know more about. But I think that like innately is quite discriminatory because it's it's sort of wipe, like tarnishing everyone with the same brush instead of it being like based on individuals. Mm-hmm. It's kind of being like, yeah, we're not going to take individual stories or context um, it's just like anyone who lives in a van in this area is all the same and they're all antisocial is the vibe I got from that. what they were trying to do yeah mm-hmm. and that this injunction in St Werberg's was really like heavily heavily about antisocial behaviour but one point I will make is that like the the, the locations of where the, like, the majority of vans were was right next to a park and the time of all of this legal injunction stuff was when it was locked down and like, as we know, like the green spaces were really popular and the only place that people could go to. So there was, you know, an increasing amount of rubbish, which then obviously gets like blamed on all the vans. Mm. And instead of the council meeting that need um, with a potential like extra wheelie bin or like putting a portaloo up or whatever, they were using it as evidence against the vans in the court and blaming it on us. And it's like mad, like wow. it's clearly people partying on like a green space in a city. But yeah, it feeds into the same narrative of like just people seeing a collection of people living in vehicles. Oh, we can flight up our stuff here or like we can blame it on them. Mm. It's an easy scapegoat for... Mm. I've seen messier streets walking down the road. Do you know what I mean? Where like people have just left all the stuff out their front garden, stuff, haven't taken stuff to the dump, like whatever. Like people have a stressful life and a lot of our needs aren't met in this system. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like chaotic to live in a city just something to add is that like Bristol is built upon the diversity and like culture of vehicles and a lot of like for example this area of St Werberg's even part of the houses that were built there like an alternative community um, in Boiling Wells area was built by people living in vans mm. so there is a history and I don't know the, f- the full extent of the history and you know wh- when it started and whatever but a lot of the people moved to Bristol to live in a house here because they're interested in it being like diverse and like got a scene got a kind of subculture of vans but also we cannot deny that there is a a crisis for access affordable housing people can't Mm. access affordable housing and one way of skirting around that is by living in a different in a different way Mm -hmm. and cutting costs and so without providing another alternative like affordable housing then what do they, how do they expect people to live? Yeah, I can agree more. I think, in fact, we should be praised because we've been using our initiative to deal <laughs> with the housing crisis. Yeah. Like, it makes total sense mm-hmm. to, yeah, live in this way. We're kind of pushed into this way. Communities living in some kind of vehicle are resourceful or in the least, have the least impact on the planet because they're actually they've got a smaller space, smaller a smaller set of belongings, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like we don't have running water from a main system. There's so many targets and so many things that a government wants to be seen to meet to meet and cities want to be seen to meet 
and yet one of the easiest ways of doing that can be to change your own lifestyle Mm. and I think that's often forgotten like if you're changing your own lifestyle and being more minimalist in what you use and what you consume the easier one of the easiest ways I can see doing that is to just like cut your ties with um with the house Mm. yeah it's pretty sustainable um and I think I like that point you just made about we're kind of preparing ourselves in a way like we're just becoming more and more resilient and like we have limited resources but that isn't a bad thing there's just too much of everything when you live in a house you collect so much stuff you don't need mm-hmm. I don't know it's just a different relationship with objects when you live in a van um, and I also feel like I've just learned so many useful skills that will mm-hmm. prepare me for life because it's it's I can I don't know like somehow maybe linked to gender like I've just always avoided doing stuff around building and felt really like conscious of it especially stuff with mechanics as well and now I'm just like no I'm gonna service my engine or like it's definitely been such an empowering experience that I think probably a lot of people who live in vans agree with that it's just there's nothing more satisfying than having the the privilege to build your own house yeah and do that in a way that works for you and you know I mean this is a slight tangent but like the way that houses are built now is is so not conducive to like community living it's just like putting people in a box that all they all look the same they're cheaply made it perpetuates individualism and consumerism exactly you need to have a a really strong relationship with your objects in order to fill a gap which humans can't provide because they're not around you Mm. i mean you know this podcast is around stuff to do with environmental activism and I do think people who are living in vans are probably preparing themselves for like eventual breakdown of society yeah because yeah. like we we can move away if there's like I don't know um, a, a weather yeah issue we can go and start farming land and like going to kind of support sustainable projects we can we can do the kind of we can move to places that feel safe but we also have skilled up because we've had the time to skill up um, and we've also had the the chance to be in a community which is so important and so not taught at schools and so not taught in the workplace but how to work with people and how to make decisions and yeah all of those skills are so essential for our future mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm not saying that van life is the total answer to that but we do get like a bit of an insight into what it's like to be around so many different people that you know, that are also quite, like, different to you. Like, we, mm. we're living on the street with three Romanian guys that didn't speak much English. Like, there's all sorts of different people you meet on the road. It's given me such a kind of breadth of experience, in a way. Expanding on that as well is that but I feel like we're reconnecting with something that feels instilled in our, like, blood. We were all, once upon a time, mobile and moving Mm. or we had small encampments we lived in and we did have to learn how to do this that and the other and it was a much more community-based environment so like trying to reconnect with that and get back to basics Mm. feels maybe like the start of a healing process from what our like very capitalist profit individualist 
society has toxified in with inside of us like and by coming away and like trying to be able to live my personal life separately from it feels like one way of relearning Mm. and re re re-identifying with stuff that seem really natural like wanting to be near green space and live with trees around me like I can't do that in a house because I can't afford to live in a house with trees next to me I mean it's so known and linked isn't it to your mental health if you can kind of Mm. hear birdsong or see green green tree green just any green from like your hospital window or you know it's it's mad how much that can kind of improve your health and well-being so just to like you know get bring it back get back down to earth (laughs) um us lot at green bank there's maybe like up to 25 vehicles have received a notice um actually quite a while ago now to say that we'd moved um into a into this region called a high impact encampment so like what the council um detailed to us was very vague it just meant essentially that we were encroaching on nature were an encampment too large uh closeness to it proximity to houses and a a school school, yeah um and so from that they then a couple of weeks later issued the section 77 notice which is the section 77 of the criminal justice and public order act and it it was a direction to leave this area. Which we've not done. Which we've not done, yeah. <laughs> so, We're still here, yeah, like a month and a half there, There's our story. <laughs> um, so we haven't done that. So that like leads on quite nicely to the next topic, which is what we've been doing to face up to the dire- this direction to leave. So, But as a community, a lot of it has been about organising with each other to meet up a lot of it's been waiting around to like hear back and understand where this is all going and that's actually been a lot slower than maybe I had originally thought and like logistics like working out how to move all of the caravans Mm. because I think from the meetings that we did have one thing was really clear is was not that necessarily we should all stay here we actually just wanted to fight to stay in the community group that we'd created and that what's worth fighting for is like principally that we shouldn't be evicted or like expelled from land that doesn't belong to somebody. Mm. And from that, like hopefully set a precedent for other communities that have less of a voice, but we can return back to that. Julia, what have you been doing in this whole process? Well, I think I was pretty pissed off when I saw that they'd put this section this you know section 77 on our doors um because they just did it in such like an abrupt way there was no like communication at all they turned up with like 30 council members in high vis jackets just du- like duct taping the notices onto all our doors um which is their response to you know a set like x amount of complaints from the local area but they've just been so like like insufficient with how they've dealt with it that I think I just rose to it out of irritation and like just uh, just knowing that it could be different like it it doesn't need to be this kind of um oppressive and like violent like why don't we just have a conversation you know all this money and time and procedure could be 
saved if we just maybe had a clear conversation with the council about what you know what some of the complaints were where where I lived before um in a, in a different area of Bristol there was a similar thing going on and we decided to meet with the people that had made some complaints um who lived at this place a kind of they lived in this like care home um and we all sat out on the grass with them and everyone went round and spoke about their life and who they were and it turned out that actually all the residents of this care home had been people over 50 experiencing homelessness so actually they they really understood our stories and it was really beautiful and then we were like okay well you feel unsafe because there's too many vans parked outside your care home why don't we write a community agreement so it didn't involve a council at all. It was just the vehicle dwellers and the, the residents of the care home taking matters into their own hands, finding a solution and sticking to it. And I know people still parked in that area are just kind of self-policing the street um, to keep everyone happy. I think with this stuff that's gone on at Greenbank, I kind of expected more of the council because they've seen that it worked quite well in that area. And I was like, oh, maybe they'll be a bit more lenient. Maybe they'll give us a bit of um, a trial period where we, you know, maybe could like self-police the street for a bit. I mean, no one enjoys self-policing because it does feel like ugh, it kind of creates like, oh, we've got more right to the road because we've been here long and I don't like that. But I think, you know, it is just a really appropriate street for people to be on. With what's been going on in this street, since they kind of whacked the notice on our on our vans, we like immediately rose to it and created a petition that night, um, which yeah, kind of showed us how much support there was for for this community. Um, and it's now on like one thousand one hundred ish signatures, um, which is so am- amazingly overwhelmingly great <laughs> because it's just it's really nice to hear from people. And there's basically like a section on the petition where people can write um yeah what they've appreciated and just hearing from people all of the lovely memories of like you know people saying like oh my son learned to juggle there and like everyone's exceptionally friendly and just there's so many beautiful comments that have really made me feel emotional actually it's like oh it's really great because I guess when you when you feel like you're pouring your energy into your area because I guess the thing of living in a van is you're quite public facing so anyone that comes past and wants to have a chat you kind of feel like oh yeah like come in have a look like you know they ask questions and they're really curious about your life and then when you just get a random notice by the council it's just like so disheartening they don't take into account the bigger picture so it was really good to start the petition and that got a lot of media attention, attention actually. Um, we've then just, I guess, been educating ourselves around what the Section 77 means um, with the beautiful Mel, because Mel's been our, like, she's secret ready. weapon, and she's amazing. Because, I mean, if every, like, community of GTR groups of people had someone that actually knew the law, it would have changed probably a lot of... <laughs> Things. a lot of things yeah. yeah so like Mel just sat us down for like an hour in one of the meetings we had and went through like yeah the powers of of the council and under this kind of section 77 and it was so it was so great to know and I think a lot of us felt calmer after that we've also spent a bit of time collecting statements I mean Mel's been doing that mainly but basically directing anyone that has a lot to say about what's going on here mm. um and getting them to write that down so we can then use statements in court. 
Yeah, that the statements followed like some initial letters that I sent to the council to basically ask them to review the decision that they'd made to um, ask us to leave. Um, and none of those have been responded to, but I have had, I don't know how many conversations with the council themselves on the telephone, which is, they're probably getting sick of me. Um, but that's the point <laughs> in a way, like we're not hiding behind the fact that this will probably not work. Basically, we'd be going to the magistrate's court because it's a court order and it, it starts off as being a civil procedure. So the section 77 directs us to leave and we don't leave. And then the council go and apply for a section 78 order, order us to move like, or we'd get fined or we'd get a, some kind of criminal conviction so like even though it's a civil order it carries a, a criminal sentence if you if you don't abide by it which I think like that, that's the same with like a lot of orders but I think that's really important to mention just for like any vehicle dweller out there so we're still at the point of section 77 which has been like many many weeks now and the council are in the process at the moment of applying for a court date. Before that happened, I sent a letter before claim, which is a letter before a judicial review claim. And a judicial review claim is for us to ask a court to review the decision of an authority within the context of the Human Rights Act and other like civil and administrative rules. And again, like they're really difficult procedures to win. <laughs> But each of these things that I've been doing or like chasing up is is trying to point out very explicitly why we all want them to review the decision that they're making. And we'd get to court and like, just again, for anyone who wants to know, members of the public do have the right to, to, to stand up and represent anyone in a magistrate's court. You don't have to be a lawyer. You don't need what's called the rights of audience to stand up. So I'm going to be going to stand up um, for all of us. And don't be surprised, but you'll get to the magistrate's court and they've got very, very few powers um, to make like a radical, wicked decision that will change the world. They've got to decide whether we're on the road and whether we shouldn't be on the road. And both of those answers are going to lead for us to get an order and for us to move. But the point of our system and our judicial system is that we also get the chance to object to that. And like that's where I would object. So we're hoping... I guess for the best a delay to our eviction but what all of this is doing is hopefully showing to the council that yeah we do understand the law and we can provide resources for other communities to understand the law and like the point or like what I hope will happen is that people can use the letters that I've written um, and the and the principles and the we are distributing information packs at the moment as well about what of what all of these like crazy legal stuff mean so that then when other communities are faced with it they can also fight against it and hopefully in the end we would as a wider community win against the council mm. um, and make a, a sort of more pre unprecedented change. I won't talk about my whole letter, but I'll put it on like the Earthrights website um, in a more like unpersonal format so that people can use it and read it. But one thing that just like relates to the whole context of um, protecting the rights of GRT communities and NF no fix abode communities is that like if a council does 
or an authority does want to move you and they do that wherever you move to or wherever they try to provide a place for you to move to by doing that they are physically segregating that community and you and whatever you represent and the visual aspect of what you represent as much as like the cultural and political aspect you are being moved even without realizing i think that is one of the most damaging things that you can do it within like the local area because it says to anybody else who isn't being moved i.e people living in houses that you have done something wrong or that you need to be moved on or that you are different and that basically invites people to make prejudices make judgments Mm. um discriminate it basically advocates for discrimination and and like in a human rights context that's called positive discrimination because you're you're doing a positive act but the effect of that is still discrimination and like this Mm. has happened in that is a tactic that's used a lot and it was used in scenario but a much worse one in the czech republic and the committee on the elimination of racial discrimination actually found it to be racist by moving a romani encampment behind a wall so like they did physically segregate them but it was the local residents who built the wall in the first Mm, it's social cleansing isn't it yeah it's social cleansing and it's what um authorities and governments have done for centuries that's why it's also like so feels so important to fight against because it's like it's not for us in general like it's not for me and Juliet that we want to stay here because we're really lucky to have friends nearby we could park somewhere else we have engines <laughs> mm. but it's for it's for all the people who don't mm. have that of that possibility I agree I, I think anytime a community is being unnecessarily enforced it's worth making a stand against it because yeah we are really privileged as Mel said to kind of have the time and energy and yeah maybe some of the education as well to actually fight the council and hopefully mean that there's some improvements citywide slash nationwide I mean we're up against a lot in the face of the new bill the new bill will criminalise trespass which leaves um, the community really vulnerable and exposed um, to bills and potential prison time. Um, So again, it's eradicating a culture, one of the the oldest culture in in our um, country um, and making it difficult for people to live roadside or on sites or in anything deemed as an encampment. I think, um, so it's giving more powers to the police so instead of it being a judicial matter, it will be the police's kind of decision what to do with it when they encounter these um, camps. Um, so it's really terrifying because until we kind of had the first case of it in the UK where they do use this new power, we won't really know where we stand with it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's for, you know, for people who've chosen to live in a van more recently like Mel's saying, it's it's not the end of our culture. Like it's not it's not my heritage, and I didn't grow up on the road. But for people who whose very lives are are this, and um, yeah, it it is it is just social cleansing and racism. But now it's become legal. Yeah, it, it's it's a landmark in history, and it's the last time you know, kind of, a society was locking up 
the the gypsies was the rise of Hitler. Hitler. Yeah, as we kind of enter more and more fascist broken system, we need to work out ways of fighting it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, people are going to not exist in their vehicles because for some it's literally survival. It's the only way or it's all they know because it's their culture. Like it's not going to mean that people don't live in vehicles. Like it's not going to mean that people don't protest. Like that is still going to go on. Um, It's just going to mean that potentially communities of people are separated and put into prison. Um, And it's going to mean that things probably become a little bit more underground in the way we organise and live. Mm. Um, But this feeling of... It's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't feel like a democratic... I mean, obviously, I don't feel like it's a democratic society anyway, but it's just like, yeah, really really clear now um that we need to work out ways of supporting each other through this kind of period of time hey i'm just chiming in here to remind you that you've been listening to the earth rights podcast um this podcast focuses on the connection between human rights issues and environmental issues our podcast is produced researched hosted and adored by myself and my co-host pippa Our new 2022 music was produced by the lovely Harry Potter. So thank you very much for that. Please follow and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, Acast or wherever on the ether you listen to us. Um, This really helps not only to... This really helps to get our messages, stories and experiences across to others and hopefully encourage change. Um... We also have a website, earthrights.co.uk, and we love promoting um, Earthrights through more organic, offline, tangible channels. So do share um, what you hear through word of mouth or look out for our posters. Um, But if you are an online kind of person, then follow Earthrights on Instagram. It's earthrights underscore. Okay, cheers, guys. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, just to start to draw things to a close, it would be good to leave listeners and people with, like, what's coming next. Obviously, we we will at some point go to court and probably at some point we will leave and have to leave. But I think we're in a lose-lose situation, essentially. We will have to leave. But part of the irony within that is that we'll leave and another group will come. And that's completely fine. They're entitled to come to this (laughs) area of land and they should, and they should come and enjoy it. But they'll then be asked to leave and the councillor who we've been involved with one of the enforcement officers said that very thing to me on the phone when I was like look what what happens more people will just come and he was like well yeah and then we'll start the proceedings against them so essentially he'll just put stick another section 77 on their vehicles and they'll be asked to leave and I was like wait what like what what do you mean that that's that's so pointless that's so pointless <laughs> so you're so you're pointless. just you're going around in circles and and he said to me on the phone and I'll just like never forget it he was like look Melanie sometimes you just have to accept the way things are like that that's just the way it is that's that's the way we we do it and that's the way it's always been done and I was like mate you're just actually advocating for the perpetuation of discrimination and racism it's so frustrating isn't it it's like this like inability to see past their roles like 
and and it's like avoidance of any responsibility. We've been dealing with the neighbourhood enforcement team, Bristol City Council. Um, they've come round to our road and like taking pictures, talking to us, giving us the notices. And unfortunately, they they are quite limited in their vision of what's possible. They're quite institutionalised. I know, like one of them used to be a policeman. Um, for most of his life so yeah it is hard to get through to them that there is another way and we've also like through this process become a bit more like aware of another sector of the council um the grt sector which is working to protect the lives of gypsy roma travelers in bristol um and it's pretty shocking that we like we realized none of them have like ever lived in a trailer on site in a vehicle but all of them have worked in enforcement like with a lot of roles as well like this is kind of a different subject but as we know a lot of roles with any kind of power associated with it they attract certain types of people Mm. and or maybe they don't and you become a certain type of person in within that role like you embody that role yeah um and then it is very hard to like encourage disassociation from that power and see it from other people's perspectives because you've been given that power so like why wouldn't you use it yeah I mean it doesn't make sense to me but I can see how it might psychologically you can see how that mindset can build and just just to clarify something about what Mal's referring to so with the kind of section 77 it's attached to our particular number plates and vehicles so it's it's not doing what happened in St Werbergs, which was like an area-wide injunction idea that didn't actually follow through. But like that was trying to ban any vehicle from that area. Whereas this is... And also, actually, the road where we currently live has had a three-year injunction on it before when some vans lived here. Mm. Um, But now they're rolling out this new thing, I think. I mean, it's not new, but they're using it because it's quicker to get it through court, I think, than an injunction. So injunctions now, after a case last year, can't bind new parties. So you can only injunct against certain... um, You can only injunct against certain vehicles or certain people like it can only bind it the 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 people who were originally living there so it it basically would have the same effect as what's going on now so as you say it's probably what the section 77 that's being used now is just going to be the quicker and easier way of doing it right but also totally insufficient because as mel said it's like gonna ban us for three months and in that time, there's it's a really appropriate no through road that's massive and can fit loads of vans on it. So it will just be filled by other members of our community yeah. instantly. And that's the irony. And it also just highlights how the, the the people that have made some complaints about us being here aren't having their needs met either because there will just be other vehicles here. Mm. So no one's really getting what they need. We're being shat on and like feeling like we're not valued by the authorities even though you know we're all busy doing our bit and whatever like I don't need to justify it but it's just like it's it's not me anyone's needs the people who haven't have complained are gonna still be upset that Mm. people are here and the council just being left with a lot of um, paperwork and spending taxpayers money Mm. on something that doesn't need to happen because it could be solved through a conversation through all of this time that me and Mel and other members of the community have been here we still haven't been told really what the, the issue is. No, we haven't. <laughs> Which is just like... That ties nicely onto like something that we've maybe learned from the last couple of months 
you can start, Juliet. What what have you learned? I think a really big takeaway for me has been about how when communities get targeted and oppressed, how that can be met with such resilience and like strengthening of of kind of togetherness. Um, also really amazing to kind of go through this process with everyone here in the street um, and notice how much stronger it's made us. I think there's a massive need as well for just like us all to kind of carry on educating each other and for those um, listeners out there to also educate themselves further. I think I've spoken to a lot of people that kind of haven't really like heard much about the trespass side of the new police crime sentencing and courts bill. There's been a lot of emphasis on the criminalisation of protest. Um, but just want to highlight how important that side of things is. Um, just because it, yeah, it's it's actually people's lives and culture that is being deemed illegal now. Um, so we really we need to rely on each other. I think that's a massive takeaway for me. Like the system's failing us, um, but what we do have is each other. Um, yeah, like I guess this has been an amazing example of that. Um, and the support we've had here in Bristol has been like insane um so many people passing by offering them like their support um saying like when are we gonna look on when when's like the bailiffs arriving um so like really being there in solidarity and then other people like going around messaging different mps councillors printing out leaflets for us um so yeah it's just like just show, you know shows that people do genuinely care um, and want to help so yeah massive massive thank you to all those local kind of supportive residents um and i guess that leads me on to just kind of encouraging listeners out there to be like stand up against this um and you know go out there and find out where like groups of people are living in vehicles um and try and think about what you can do to make sure this way of life does remain I feel happier and more equipped living in this way than I would in a house. It's a way of life that does kind of prepare you um, for a kind of unpredictable future. Like it aligns with my principles living in this way. So I feel like even though we're up against the authorities constantly and, you know, not really in a way as well, because I've only lived in a van for like three-ish years. Like there's been people facing this discrimination for so long. And they're tired of it. So it kind of feels like our duty to stand up against it. For me, within that, it's been so important to learn what the capacity is of a community and also to be in fighting something like this. And like, it's been really great when everyone has like said how much time they can give or like what they can do. And that I'm lucky because I already work within the legal system that I have been able to like give, give that side of like um of my skill set and I think that's something that I've coming to realize that the background work is just as important as the direct action work I'm pleased to a be able to put what I've learned into practice through my law degree and like through my master's particularly my master's in which I did a lot of work on GRT communities within the Czech Republic and so like it's amazing to be able to bring that into my own life and um, use what I've learned in a hopefully positive direction. But also a lot of people can often feel perhaps they they don't have the facilities or the resources to go and be, for want of a better word, an activist, or might not be able to move into a vehicle, or might not be able to like face the system in the way that we're enabling ourselves to be able to. 
um but actually like it's a good realization that there's other skills that you can add to that picture in fighting and like for me that has been like in writing and researching and those are the things that I know I'm good at and have the resources and, and space to do but it doesn't mean that anyone doing something different is of any less value it's like making sure we all recognize our each of our skills and like bringing those together which I think has been really like demonstrated within this community like Juliet you've taken on like completely different things to me and yet mm. we're still at a, like a really like supported result like I feel I personally feel really supported because I know like that there's a lot of love mm. at the center and at the core of that and I think that's maybe something to leave as my takeaway for listeners whatever you want to see change in in yourself in the system in society you're going to really struggle to enact that change and embody that change unless like a you are healthy <laughs> and b you're showing love and support to other people who, who who also want to see that change take place and that comes from like a really sort of i guess quite sensitive place and like a good slogan is that the revolution starts in the home and our home is this street you really must show basic human decency Mm. towards each other in order to like keep up momentum and Mm. be sustainable like you for your fight to be sustainable Mm -hmm. yeah you're right it's not always about these like heroic actions within Mm. activism and like the big glorified moments um sometimes it is just about rising to the things that crop up in your in your life Mm. or like in your community on your street there's stuff going on everywhere and we need to equip ourselves to kind of interact in appropriate ways when others kind of can't um, Mm. find the language or the time or whatever or have the privileges. Often I shy away from like speaking and especially when it's like, yeah, men that come over with their clipboards and official language somehow I've really found like quite a voice in it which feels quite new Mm. um and also yeah seeing Mel just kind of rise to it as well and like represent us legally and yeah that it just feels quite amazing to experience and for us to both be kind of reflecting on that of like oh wow we are really feeling in our power with this situation through support and the community and conversations with each other just allowing us to be like no but like this is wrong like we know it's wrong and what can we do how can we use our skills as Mel said like using our skills to our advantage what can we do time to start thinking about what the future and ways we can rise to that woo 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 woo